Hey, it's Emma. I've been in a personal hell of transferring 16,000 photos off my phone for the last two and a half days. My name is Jolie, and I am done feeling feelings. Cashed out. Not going to do it anymore. Not interested. Just go back to the doctor. Like, hi, I'm trying to not feel anymore. What can you do for me? Remember when I told you I was happy to be feeling feelings again coming off of my uh, depression medication? I lied. I'm done with that. (laughs) I'm not interested in being an emotionally, like, flexible human being. I know. I want to have one emotion and not be, like, boredom. (laughs) (laughs) Apathy. Complete and utter apathy. Yeah. No, I hear you. I've cried a lot in the last few days. Why? Because the world is falling apart. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. (laughs) Right? There's like so much to say about it that there's like nothing to say. Yeah. Anytime I feel the need to express myself, I'm just like, what's the fucking point? Other people have said it better than I could. Yeah. But I mean, silence isn't the best thing either. Yeah. So the world is ending. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. talk about viruses. Okay. <laughs> That was like the beginning of our world ending this year, right? That was the beginning of every apocalypse that has ever happened. It's like started with a virus and Mm -hmm. even zombie apocalypses. Yeah. I was thinking, what if we talked about conspiracy theories through different plagues? Because the latest one that I've been reading about is the 5G coronavirus like conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. I have a really great quote for you that I want to start this off with. It is by Adam Weishaupt. He's the guy that started what most people are referring to when they say the Illuminati. Okay. So I called him the OG Illuminati cult daddy and total fucking narcissist. Trademark. daddy. Yeah. (laughs) I've trademarked total fucking narcissist. I love it. (laughs) Oh, mortal man. Is there anything you cannot be made to believe? Of all the means I know to lead men, the most effectual is a concealed mystery. The Mm. hankering of the mind is irresistible. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a narcissist. So to start all of this off, I wanted to talk about the Black Death, the bubonic plague. I feel like anyone who has ever read any sort of history or existed has probably Mm -hmm. heard of this. It happened in Europe and Asia in the mid-1300s. And there is some evidence that it existed in other parts of the world. Like, I think they said Africa and like the Middle East, that kind of area. Didn't it stem from like there not being modern plumbing? So part of it was hygiene issues. Part of it was that it was transmitted via rats and fleas. Yeah. And people think that this has completely ended, but the bubonic plague still exists. Damn. We just were able to treat it now. It requires antibiotics, which uh, did not exist at the time. Is it still called? Yeah, I think so. Because I was watching Hoarders. It was like rat poop or something in somebody's car. And they're like, we're not cleaning this. And they're like, you could get sick. And they called it something like some sort of sickness. And I'm wondering if that was that. So there's like the fancy version. And then there's like the common lingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not fancy. Nope. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hell no. <laughs> the plague arrived in Europe in October 1347 when 12 ships from the Black Sea docked at the Sicilian port of Messina. People gathered around. They got in these ships and they were like, oh, shit. Almost all of these sailors are dead. And nice. the ones that aren't dead are fucking ill. And they oh were covered God. in like boils that oozed blood and pus. And it was like really gnarly. The Sicilians were like, you need to get the fuck out. Not interested. <laughs> Go back to sea, please. Already too many people had like gone in and interacted with these people. So it was done for. Yeah. There was no sending them out and thinking that people weren't going to get sick. It was already happening. So over the next five years, the Black Death would kill more than 20 million people in Europe. Wow. Almost one third of the continent's population at the time. That's wild. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, damn, back then there wasn't as many people. Like, I mean, when we think about the bubonic plague, we think it's pretty gnarly, but it causes fevers, chills, vomiting, diarrhea horrible, horrible aches and pains. Mm -hmm. And it'll make your like lymph nodes swell up to the size of like an apple is what one guy said. You know, you get boils all over you. It is, it is probably one of the worst things to read about. They didn't know what caused it. They had no fucking clue. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about how in the middle ages, if anything was happening, it was related to evil or it was related to God. Spoiler alert. I, I'm going to talk about some horribly upsetting anti-Semitism. I already warned Emma about this earlier. Yeah, I, was I was like, forewarned. I want to. I want you to be able to like bow out of this part of it if you want to. I'm just going to compartmentalize my being right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Extract my Jewish American princess out of me. If I could extract things out of me. <laughs> right, I know, dude. We all know that Jewish people have been persecuted. Since fucking forever. And at this point, they were still being persecuted. Typically, they were not allowed to hold what people of the time would consider moral jobs. They were relegated to jobs that were considered to be immoral. Money lending is a big one. That's interesting. So what's really fucked up about this is people wanted to be able to use banks and to get loans. Mm -hmm. And they knew or they thought at the time that money was associated with greed. Yeah. So they were like, but we still need it. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to the Jews. They'll do it. Yeah, we're going to make them do that. This is the only way they're going to be able to support themselves. Wow. That's where we get the idea that Jewish people are like controlling money is because that was literally the only job that they could have. So it's like like they were forced to do that and then later like shamed for doing it. The other thing that happened is that they were essentially pushed out of the main population into walled off ghettos. Yeah. Basically, they would leave to do their business and then go back to their area of the town that they were forced into. Mm -hmm. One person has said that Jews were dying in equal numbers, but most people in communities did not see Jews dying to the degree that other people were dying of the bubonic plague. What, that they were dying more or less? They were dying less. Interesting. You know, I get mixed signals from a lot of this research, but part of it seems to be Jewish cleanliness rules around like holidays and Mm -hmm. uh, around the way that you prepare food, Mm -hmm. the way that you clean before. I, I have no idea the Jewish stuff. Sabbath. Sabbath? Shabbat. Yeah, Shabbat. 
Shabbat. Okay. The the cleaning practices around that, especially mm-hmm. at the time, like they really. Yeah. And also like kosher eating and stuff. Yeah. yeah so there were less rats, less fleas mm-hmm. in, in their area because they were keeping things incredibly clean, especially around like grain and stuff yeah. like that, which is, you know, rats enjoy yeah. that. Totally. I know we had one in our garage and found out because we had like extra oatmeal and there was like eaten hole in the bag. Same with our rice. Like this all needs to be thrown away. God damn it. They -hmm. were already like, listen, we've already punished you for nothing, but we're going to continue to punish you by making you tell us how you're poisoning us. What the fuck? So they rounded up a few Jewish men. And under duress, these gentlemen confessed in so many quotes to poisoning the Christians. And it was part of a giant Jewish cabal to kill all the Christians in the world. Poisoning them with what? They said everything from like toads to different types of plants that are not poisonous at all. Toads. Like you'll admit to anything if you're being tortured. Absolutely. Yeah. And they needed a scapegoat. Yeah. They totally needed a scapegoat. And when the thought is anything that's happening to you is about evil, you're going to try to like rectify that evil. Mm -hmm. And if you've always thought of a specific group of people as being evil, that's going to be who you point everything at. Yeah. It doesn't have to make sense. Some pamphlets started going around saying, you know, we got these Jews to admit they've been poisoning people. This ended up being the biggest genocide of Jews until the Holocaust. Wow. I've never even heard about this. It's kind of difficult to ascertain how many Jews were killed, but at least 210 communities were completely eradicated. What the fuck? But like just sent set them on fire or something? It, there were a few ways that this happened. Fire was used. They would build houses made completely of wood and round, <laughs> sorry, um, they would round that. people up and put them in these houses and then light the houses on fire. Oh my God. And when I say they eradicated them, I mean literally every single Jewish person in these communities died. That is the babies, so the terrible. women, all of them. The Great Plague or the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, whatever. It's also difficult to ascertain how many people actually died, but they think around 25 to 50 million, somewhere in there. That's a large range, but you know. <laughs> One, is that including all of the Jews that were like mass murdered? I don't know if that cites the actual like genocide that happens at the time yeah. or if that's like all of it. It's my goodness. Yeah, I had a really hard time trying. Like I tried really hard to figure out the actual count. Mm-hmm. of people who died specifically by the genocide. And it was it was just really challenging. But I did find yeah. the number 210 communities, which to me wow. seems like it's got to be like thousands upon thousands of people. Yeah, well, and it's kind of amazing to me that Jewish ancestry continued on. There is this kind of resilience that is just awe-inspiring. Like how can you live through so much and still mm-hmm. have hope that your life is going to be better? I know. It's incredible to me. Like it's it's the ugliest and the most beautiful of humanity in these kind of events. Yeah. If you want a little like vindictive joy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because people had essentially decimated the Jewish population, they were like, well, we don't owe anyone anymore. Oh King God. Charles was like, um, bitch, <laughs> the Jews paid me income tax. You better pay up. Damn, good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they were left with more debt than they had in the beginning. Wow. And I put in all caps, that's what you fucking get, you greedy anti-Semites. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so the conspiracy theory there was that Jews were poisoning the well and they wanted to kill all Christians. How, how, what irony, right? I don't I know. know. Right. Right. Like. Where it's like, you us. are killing people. Like, it's just absolutely insane. So the other thing that I want to talk about before we get into like the 1918 flu and COVID yeah. is the Russian flu. So this is the flu that happened right before the 1918 flu. And it killed about 1 million people worldwide. So it was the last great pandemic of the 19th century. Damn, I've never heard of this flu either. Maybe I just suck at history. So it was supposedly the influenza A virus subtype H2N2, which most people have heard of H1N1 or H2N2. Those are the two that tend to like pop up the most. Yeah. But some people also believe that it's an early iteration of the coronavirus. Interesting. H1N1 is swine flu, right? Yeah. So avian flu, I think is H2N2. Okay. I could be entirely wrong because I did not look that up. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> I'm going it's with like, it. like, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank I always you. do. I'm just like, she's right. She knows. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> Surely she researched this and she's not talking out of her ass. <laughs> so the thing that makes this one so interesting and the reason it spreads so quickly is because there was a lot of development around transportation. Large populations could travel by steamboat. So transatlantic travel was getting more and more popular. Train systems were mm-hmm. covering more and more ground. So this happened almost overnight. Yeah. It was kind of incredible. Um but yeah, cons- when people probably didn't have good like hand washing skills or anything. You I know? mean, people didn't wash their hands before surgery. A couple of conspiracy theories for this was that electric light was making people sick. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Volcanic dust, bird migrations. Why volcanic dust? Was there an eruption at some point? I mean, there might have been. And I can see where that would make people sick, but that is not the same thing as a virus. Yeah. These people didn't know shit. These people were fucking stup. Ed. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is not a shortened version of that. Stupid. Oh, you're going to love this. So. The source of these microbes, according to one Dr. Gentry, was stardust passing through the Earth's atmosphere. At oh, regular, neutrinos? Yeah, regular <laughs> 16 to 17 year intervals. Yeah. But all the other physicians were like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> but then they would also say, like, it's clearly light bulbs. So, you know. <laughs> Space dust. No. <laughs> it's light bulbs, obviously. <laughs> so there was another conspiracy theory for the Russian flu, even though it was killing people, was that people were making it up. It's not that bad. They're doing it to control you. Hmm, that sounds familiar, huh? Doesn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was suggested that it was all made up. In an article published in the New York Times, damn, the author that wrote this article said there is nothing fatal about the universal cold. What? Weren't hella people dying? They sure were. (laughs) (laughs) But it's exactly the same as coronavirus. There were so many people who were like, it's the flu. You get a cough. I felt like that when we first started hearing about it, because at work, like we had this like talk about how it might potentially like cancel upcoming Mm. events and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know, man, isn't it just a flu? And my boss was like, 
No, Emma, <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> okay. But that was I like, like that you answer. Know, uh, no. Yeah, it was like firm. But, you know, that was mid-February. Like, we didn't know yet. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, give myself and- a little credit. A lot of people rely on the government to at least give them some indication of mm-hmm. what's happening. And I think we got so used to that being the case, especially mm-hmm. with the previous presidency. Things were taken care of very quickly and people were right. notified when they needed to be. Say what you want about like the failures of that administration, but the SARS outbreak was quickly contained. Oh, yeah. And there were very limited exposures to it. I know. And um, our president right now is like, we're defunding the WHO. We're completely, <laughs> we're completely cutting them off. Yeah. And he's like, on several occasions, said things that remind me of the types of conspiracy theories and like treatments. From like the early 1900s. Yeah. Oh, my God. Where you're just like, are you out of your, what literature are you reading? I know. He's reading books from like the the early 1900s and being like, this is absolutely true. Right. <laughs> so I have a quote here. It's by a Dr. Douglas. And she said, this is very common because it allows people to pretend that nothing is wrong and they can get on with their lives. This is an example of motivated reasoning. People believe what they want to believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is the warm up to all of this shit we're talking about. OK, you're feeling loose now. Feeling warmed up. So I want to get into conspiracy theories and self-soothing. Okay. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you three weird questions, and I promise this is related. Okay. Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. Would you rather stab a picture of your family five times or put your hand in a bucket of cockroaches? Stab a picture of my family five times. Would you rather sleep in laundered pajamas once worn by Charles Manson or pick a nickel off the ground and put it in your mouth. I don't know. I, I guess probably the pajamas. Would you rather spend the night in a dingy bus station or spend the night in a luxurious home where a family was once murdered? I think maybe the luxurious home, to be honest. I gave the same list of questions to Bryson. Yeah. And he was incredibly motivated by symbolism, which I thought was really strange and interesting. So he wouldn't stab the family. He's actually he would he was okay with stabbing the family picture. He was less okay with the laundered pajamas worn by Charles Manson. But he also said, like, in today's climate, I don't want to pick up anything off the street and put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, fair. I mean, I really considered the nickel in the mouth. Yeah. With the dingy bus station, he said he would rather sleep there than the luxurious home. I was like all across the board, like a bucket full of cockroaches, but I don't mind a cockroach either. Barf. Like to no, me, stabbing, you. like I could actually like hurt my hands. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I have no real issue stabbing a picture unless it's like the only picture that I have. Right. And then in all the rest of them, I was like, the the pajamas have been laundered and yeah. uh, it's a luxurious home. I assume that someone's been murdered or has died anywhere I go. Right. I know. I am like that person. Yeah, me too. Especially in like really nice hotels. I'm like, someone was probably murdered in this room. Right. Or like something weird happened there. There's like jizz everywhere. Right. Like I'm not <laughs> thrilled by it, but yeah. it's also like a nice hotel. So I'm like, well. So those pajamas, like they were laundered once, but worn by Charles Manson. They were laundered recently, but they were once worn by Charles Manson. Oh, fuck yeah, to the pajamas. I thought they were washed oh, yeah. one time and then he wore them. Ew. I know. I'm like, I don't know, man. Be like, that guy was kind of gross. Right. Do they smell? 
<laughs> right? Definitely the jammies. The reason I ask you these questions is there is a theory by a researcher named Eric Oliver, and he says that people can pretty easily be classified as a solid in-between most people hmm. of being intuitionist or being rationalist. So intuitionist is very motivated by symbolism, very motivated by the way that they feel about things. Yeah. And a rationalist is more motivated by evidence. They don't care about the symbolic cost of something. They yeah. care about the literal cost of something. Interesting that Bryson was more symbolic. And, you know, everyone has some aspect of them that yeah. is intuitionist or rationalist. And most people fall pretty pretty dead center. Like they have some aspects that are that lean one way and some that lean the other. Yeah. And I definitely have my intuitionist moments. I'm not saying that like I'm 100% rationalist. In fact, Eric Oliver says that very few people can be considered rationalists. Yeah. Well, that's like in Myers-Briggs, right? That's like feelings versus whatever. Yeah. Like the F yeah. or J. I'm an INFP. Do you know what you are? INFJ. Sometimes I get E, like for extrovert. It just depends on when I take the test. Interesting. Yeah. I've always gotten the same thing, but I've only taken it like two or three times. So I'm just like right mean. on the border. That's fascinating. I actually don't remember what all of them mean. I just remember being like, well, that seems like it's right. <laughs> this is me, sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Like I said, most people fall kind of in the center. They have a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Mm -hmm. Pure intuitionists outnumber rationalists two to one. Okay, so I believe more that. people depend heavily on their feelings about things yeah, more trusting than your actual gut. evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I put gut feelings here. Yeah. Intuitionists tend to be heavy believers in spiritualistic or new age concepts, paranormal, mm -hmm. and conspiracy theories. Eric Oliver also suggests that the reason it's so difficult to talk people out of their conspiracy theory beliefs is that we, generally speaking, if you don't believe in conspiracy theories, you're not going to be speaking the same language that they mm -hmm. do. There is a verbiage difference that is not going to translate from one side to the other. So it's better to, if you're trying to like get someone out of their like weird thought process, it's better to relate to them by feeling yeah. than by explanation and logic. Because okay. by that point, they've already essentially given up the like rationalist mm -hmm. explanation for things. Yeah. He also says that intuitionists are bound by heuristics, which is like a, a judgmental shortcut. So a good example of that being, you know, making sure that if you pass a statue of some sort of, you know, religious figure that you like touch it or like that you like kiss yeah. it or like do the sign of the cross, whatever people do mm -hmm. with religious stuff. Yeah. Or the thought that like, you know, pajamas once worn by Charles Manson is going to like play some sort of bad juju on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's another thing that happens and that's directly tied to the intuitionist and it's magical thinking, which is the idea that one's ideas, thoughts, actions, words, or use of symbols can influence the course of the events around you. Mm -hmm. So by your belief, you're making it happen. Yeah. And it's technically a category of delusions and that being said like there are some psychiatric disorders where this is like really apparent mm -hmm. but a lot of people have some form of magical thinking like thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers or yeah. like manifestation uh -huh. is a really good example yeah <laughs> it's kind of interesting because Reading through this material, I've had to take a really hard look at like the cognitive biases that I have and like the the weirdness that I have around specific things where I'm like, oh, that's not realistic at all. And I know that's not realistic, but I'm still doing it. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like once it gets in you, you can't really stop yourself or like you have a hard time. Like what? I have the positive attitude thing. I don't force positive attitude on other people because I think it's damaging. But for myself, I definitely think like if I go in with a negative attitude, Uh I'm just going to be looking for something bad to happen. So I'm going to go in with a positive attitude. Everything's going to come my way. I feel like culturally, that's like a thing. Yeah, totally. Instead of like just going in with no expectation, just being like what happens happens Mm -hmm. i'm going in like yes (laughs) everything's gonna be wonderful yeah (laughs) um so a good example of this is people with ocd will have expectations that their compulsive behaviors are going to solve a specific issue or a specific like thing that they're scared of like if i always collect my dog's shed hair then my dog will never die Right. Or like doing certain rituals before you like leave the house. Yeah, exactly. So this is a type of anxiety, relief and control. This is just one way that people deal with uncertainty. Some of this is stuff that we've already talked about in like the the ghost episode. So I'll reference that. But humans are built to notice patterns. And one of these things is the illusory pattern perception thing. So the same the same reason we see faces and things. Yeah. A really good example of this illusory pattern perception is Hillary deleted emails, right? Hillary Clinton. Uh huh. She must have deleted emails because she's hiding something. Yeah. I'm going to read her emails. She said these things. I bet it's a code. Right. I'm going to find out what the code means. Oh, the code means pedophilia ring. They're talking about this pizza place. They're keeping kids in the basement of this pizza place to rape them. Right. Not going like, to lie, though. Like, have you been watching this Epstein documentary on Oh, he's on fucking crazy. But also people literally said that that was happening. So, like, there's no pattern perception there. It's just right. like you should have listened. Yeah. When multiple young girls are like, hey, this guy raped me. And he's running some sort of like underage girl ring. And they're like, no, you guys are actually underage prostitutes. That's like really what happened. I've been watching. It's been so upsetting. But like Bill Clinton was hanging out with him. So I don't know, man. I do question that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that Hillary is like a good person. I actually don't know her. You don't? I I thought you guys were like hella tight. I mean, I lived in Arkansas, but it doesn't mean (laughs) I know everyone from Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, I know what you're saying, though, about the emails. That was wild. I'm going to see what I want to see. I'm already looking for the thing that I think I'm going to find. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another theory called Ramsey theory, which is essentially like a mathematical theory that given enough of something, you're going to find a pattern in it. Yeah. And this doesn't mean that the pattern is going to be necessarily relevant. It just means that like you can find things in something that's big enough. A good example of this is if you laid out pages from Moby Dick, you can find evidence that Moby Dick predicts the JFK assassination. What? <laughs> you That's can a thing. find Yeah, you can find this kind of evidence in it and it's because it has so many fucking letters. Mm-hmm. That you'll oh, what, find it like if you're looking. Circle <laughs> circle the second letter of every 10th word or Yeah. Some shit like that. I could find a, a meaning in anything. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to rationalize and be like, "Oh shit, maybe That's this wasn't thing. what this book was meant to do." <laughs> so there are cognitive biases and Basically, it's just something that allows you to not be challenged in your perceptions. 
And a lot of it tends to be like defensive. So Mm -hmm. when people believe something, it feels really shitty to be told that you're wrong. So people will often cling to it. It affects people's social functioning. So a lot of people are thinking that, you know, belief in conspiracy theories can be linked to a kind of pathology. Yeah. Because you're not engaging with the world in a way that like we've all kind of agreed is rational and based in some sort of evidence. Mm-hmm. And when you stop doing that, you stop being able to properly interact with other humans. It affects your social life. It affects your work. It affects everything. Yeah. It but affects your you mental find, like, health. The other, you find the other people like that, too. And Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if you feel like everyone's against you, the government is trying to kill you, then that's going to create a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Even if you feel like you've got some sort of secret knowledge and that's really cool and you've got a whole community that believes with you, you still feel like people are actively trying to kill you. So, like, I can't imagine that's good for you. No, definitely not. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to talk about why the flu of 1918 was the literal fucking worst. Uh, A, I've never thought I'd say this, but I am so happy we have COVID-19 and not the Spanish flu. (laughs) Why is it like really fucked up? Oh, it's so fucked up. For one thing, it hit young people a lot harder than it hit old people. Old people and and, like super young people. Opposite. And paradoxically, it's because their immune system was so good that it overreacted and killed them. Wow. Yeah. Essentially, what happened is people who had lived through the Russian flu and people who had been born between 1884 and 1903 had no previous exposure to this H1N1 flu. Yeah. So basically, they had nothing to go on. So the H1N1 flu, what we know as the H1N1 flu, like we've had like limited experience with it repetitively. And because we have vaccines, our immune system is like used to fighting it. So it knows what to do. It's like introducing mm-hmm. yourself to someone before you fuck them, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was the weirdest way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but people really don't understand like how vaccines work. I guess mm-hmm. that's literally the simplest way that I could possibly explain it. Yeah, just like a little tiny bit of the sick. Yeah. So like your body knows what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So people who had been born between 1884 to 1903 had zero tolerance for any of this. They hadn't had any form of this flu. So they were hit especially hard. But people uh, who were younger had a better opportunity to, to get better from it. And because there were no vaccines at this time, and because viruses weren't understood, people didn't know what the fuck was going on. We know that the virus settled in the lungs, which is what a lot of flu viruses do. But the really, really horrible part of it is that your lungs would fill up with mucus and you'd suffocate on your own liquids. Yay. Yeah. So a giveaway for if the person was getting sick was that they would turn blue. That's well, COVID too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that could happen is like lesion-like spots all over the body. It's essentially the tissue dying because of the damage of the lungs when the body was trying to fight off the virus. When someone died, blood would just pour out from every orifice in their head. Oh my God. Yeah. So there are pictures of people like slumped over in bed with just blood everywhere. Oh my gosh. That is so gruesome. Yeah. And it was like a juggernaut once it hit your body. There are stories of people being in, and I I can't corroborate any of this because it's like oral tradition or oral history, but there are stories of people being fine the day before and dying the next day. 
Oh my God, that is so, so scary. It's really scary. But so I can't corroborate that, but there is a story of how quickly the virus actually worked. There was an Inuit community of around 80 people in the remote area of Brevik Mission. Scientists and historians are not clear on how the virus managed to find them because it was very remote. They think it might have been like someone traveling into another town to get something or like people using dog sleds to, you know, go to the town and then come back. But within five days in November of 1918, 72 of the 80 community members had died. Holy shit. Yeah. Those poor last eight. Like, what do you even do with yourself at that point? Oh my God, I don't know. So from 1918 to 1920, it is estimated that 500 million people contracted the virus and it claimed at the very least 50 million people. It's really hard to tell how many people died for this one. Yeah. And I got like mixed numbers. So I put at least. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The flu killed more people than the actual entire World War I. It killed more than the bubonic plague and more than 25 years of the HIV AIDS crisis. Wow. The pandemic itself lowered the life expectancy in the United States by more than 12 years at the time. Damn. Yeah. And there has not been a comparable flu season ever. Well, thank goodness. Yeah. So we call it the Spanish flu. That is because Spain was neutral at the time. So while all this was going on, World War I was happening. Spain not involved. So they were really covering these flus. They were like laying it all out. Every other country involved in this war did not want to like let it go that they were losing people and that lots of people were getting really ill and dying and that their armies were being weakened. In fact, because we have absolutely no idea how many people died because of just mass graves and things of that nature and people just like dying so quickly that Mm -hmm. it was hard to keep up and like keep really good tallies. There are some German battles that were lost or like given up specifically because, you know, German generals were like, I don't have enough people to fight. Wow. (laughs) It's fucking insane. So it did not start in Spain at all. Like some people suggested China. There is no evidence of that either. We really have no idea where this one started, but the first mass outbreak was at Camp Funston, which is in Fort Riley, Kansas. So officials called it a pneumonia outbreak at the time. And there were like a weird combination of conditions at that week. It was covered in prairie dust storm, and that had happened the week before. So soldiers had been breathing in putrid black ash created by tons of burning manure previous to that. They were living in really close proximity to swine and horses. And swine, like specifically, can carry the same kind of viruses that we can. Yeah. So we think that that's likely where it came from. There are still people who think that it was like started in China, but I really couldn't find any good evidence of that. It's like farm, farm yucks. Yeah. So how this spread so quickly is that a man who was a mess hall cook got sick first, but he had had plenty of time to cook for people before he got real sick. So it was transmissible through food. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like COVID. Like you can 
get people sick by breathing on them, you know? Yeah. So if he's yeah. like breathing on people and breathing on people's food right before like they eat and wow. they already Ew. don't have great hygiene practices and they're like yeah. in tiny little bunks like on top of each other, essentially, like there's no way to win. By midday of the the first outbreak, let's see, it had 107 cases of the flu. So that's March 11th, 1918. 107 Wait, in cases first, in the first, the first day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And within the first week, 522. By the time Holy April shit. came around, three weeks later, 1,127. And 46 wow. of the entire infected population died. But almost right after that, they were sent out to battle. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's getting sick. So because it was the war and because like racism and xenophobia and stupidity, it was called a lot of different things. Spanish flu was one of them. Spanish yeah. lady, French flu, Naples soldier, purple death, war plague, Flanders grip, black man's disease, Hun flu, German plague, Bolshevik disease, or even, and this is my favorite, the Turco-Germanic bacterium criminal enterprise. Whoa. And I wrote exactly, holy shit, that last one. <laughs> so because it was the war, President Woodrow Wilson did not want to give away that lots of his people were getting sick. So not one goddamn word. No. Doctors were like, we got to get this in check. Like we can't, yeah. like everybody's dying. We have to like fix this. But nobody knew that this was happening until it happened to their town. The advice from the medical community was just like, stay your ass at home. If you're mm-hmm. sick, don't go out. Cover yeah. your face. <laughs> and, you know, for for a while, people were kind of following that, that kind of logic. But mm-hmm. around June, when it started getting warmer, people were like, the, the illness had kind of like tapered off a little bit. And they were like, yeah, we're fine. Everything's cool. That's like the exact same thing that's going on right now. Yeah. Same time, same time frame too. Yeah. So to be fair, there wasn't an actual quarantine in place at that time. People were just encouraged not to go out if they didn't have to. And, you know, people weren't following that. But because people had gotten kind of comfortable, they were not prepared for the second wave. The second wave was so much worse than the first wave. And uh, this is pretty common apparently with viruses that like there can be a mutation kind of very close to each other. The second wave was way more deadly. And that's when a quarantine was put in place. Oh my gosh, I'm totally freaked out. Yeah. But because people had been so comfortable during the summer, a lot of cities had planned these wonderful like World War II rally, like parade kind of things. Like, oh, I just read about this today. The most infamous example of this was the Philadelphia World War II fundraising parade where thousands of people in one day got the flu. So of course, you know, people fucking hate being told to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. There were anti-mask protests at this time. And- So fucking stupid. (laughs) Even when people did wear masks, they would do stupid things like cut holes in them so they could still smoke their cigarettes. Oh my gosh. I, I saw a video of like a woman right now during COVID who like went to a convenience store and the guy- Did like, she have like, like her oh, mouth cut? Oh my God. Yeah, she's like, oh, it's easier want. to breathe like this. And the clerk is like videoing her just kind of like, oh, I'll right. have to try that. <laughs> nice mask, dipshit. Oh my God. So to get people to just wear the mask, people were like, you can make it out of any material. Just fucking cover your face to some degree, please. So women were wearing like gauze masks, like chiffon masks, like- They tried to make it so comfortable for everyone. And people still were like, my freedom. I'm an American. 
Uh, it probably doesn't help <sighs> that in some cities there was a $5 fine in place and $5 was like half of someone's weekly salary at the time. Wow. Yeah. San Francisco's first masking order began in October of that year and ended in November after World War I armistice. In January, when the flu cases began to surge again in San Francisco, they ordered a second mask order. But this time, the resistance was like extreme. A group of dissenters that included a few physicians and one member of the Board of Supervisors formed the Anti-Mask League and held a public meeting with over 2,000 attendees. I just don't get it. Like, why? Why is this such a big deal? Because people are fucking dumb. They're so worried about people trampling on their freedom and their, like, limited comfort that they don't think about the fact that this is actually dangerous. Yeah. Like, I'm not comfortable wearing a mask. I fucking hate it. Yeah. I don't don't enjoy it. It makes me feel weird. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like it, but I do it because it's the smart thing to do. But when you're so wrapped up in your feelings... And how you feel means more to you than the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Then you're you're going to let a lot of stuff go, you know? It's like too much. Like you don't wear a mask and then like your mom dies or something. And it's just like, I mean, there know. are people who don't wear masks, who don't think coronavirus is real, then get it. And you mm-hmm. want to hear them be like, dudes, let me tell yeah. you what. <laughs> yeah. That's like that reverend I talked about. But people don't yeah. do that because they still want to mm-hmm. cling to their belief and their their humility, their feeling of humiliation is more important than than reality. We're dumb little creatures. Right? I mean, it's been, <laughs> what, 102 years and it's like the same shit? It never ends. So yeah, let's talk about coronavirus. And a lot of us know about coronavirus, so I'm not going to get into it real hard. The word coronavirus has to do with what it looks like under a microscope because apparently it looks like a little crown. That's cute. <laughs> And there's been a lot of contention about it being called the novel coronavirus. It's called novel because it's new. Right. That's it. It's not because it's fake, like a novel, you fucking morons. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that the people thought that that meant like. They're even telling us that it's fake by calling it novel. I'm like, oh my fucking. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So the reason that it's so deadly is because it's a new strain and it's the same. As 1918. Now, luckily, it's not exactly the same as 1918 because holy shit, but it's still real bad. It's too early to know if it's going to evaporate like H1N1 or like SARS. So this is why people are like, you need to still shelter in place. You need to still take precautions because we have no idea. It has not run its course yet. We don't know. And we don't have a vaccine for it, which is Mm -hmm. a fucking problem. But as we'll learn, people are so wrapped up in their conspiracy theories that even when a vaccine becomes possible for it, even having lived through all this, even having seen the devastation, they're not going to trust the vaccine. No, dude, they're not going to go get it. No, of course not. It's commonly accepted that the virus started in China, right? Yeah. I've read in a few places that like, yeah, they've pinpointed the location. And then in a couple of places also, I've read like, we have no idea. And we don't know like where it came from because we are a trans global community of like moving around little monkeys. Yeah. Who knows where it came from? One of the things that people like to say is that it was started in a Chinese lab to kill people. Yeah. Or like I read that it's like there was a lab that studied different viruses or like something like that. And like somehow it got out. This is like ruining lives. The woman that runs the lab is apparently an incredibly strict scientist. 
everyone who's worked with her has been like, she is the best at what she does. Nothing is getting by her. She is brilliant. She is cooperative. She wants to like learn and work with people. Like there are people in and out of that lab all the time because she's great at what she does. Yeah. So I would think that if something was going to escape a lab, wouldn't happen in that one. Yeah. Not this lady's lab. Uh, So I don't know if Plandemic actually goes into like that aspect of it, but a lot of people are linking it to Plandemic and that stupid fucking doctor that's like saying all of this shit. So I watched her section of Plandemic and I was like, wow. Yeah, I didn't end up watching Plandemic. Like a friend of mine sent me the link when it like was a thing. And I'm like, oh, Benny, we need to watch this. And before we watched it, I decided to like read a little bit about it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just like anti-vaxxer propaganda. Yeah, 100%. The thing that is interesting about this lady and how they like tie it to this like Wuhan lab is that she's actually a really bad scientist. She's bad at what she does. So, <laughs> like how? Her studies are completely unreplicatable. She has been fired on a couple of occasions. Her studies have what appears to be some deceptive practices oh. and some cherry picking, which is really That's not like okay. Not science. Yeah. Yeah. It's not science. And she lies. Yeah. She like overstates her involvement in certain like key medical discoveries when there's absolutely zero evidence and other people like that worked in the the lab that she claimed to like have helped with this discovery have yeah. been like I kn- I don't I don't know. What's her name? Is it Hold her on. it's not not her movie. This is someone who was interviewed on it. Yeah. Cuz I think the main lady who who made the movie too is like similar kind of stuff to this. I got to find this fucking bitch. Where are you, bitch? Who are you? Judy Mikovits. Yeah, I think that's actually who I read about and like why I didn't watch the movie. So there's a couple of things. Uh, One of the cognitive biases is the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is the idea that you know more than you actually do or that you're more adept at something than you really are, that you have more experience than you do. You can understand why someone would want to believe that they were better than they actually are at something. Because like it's embarrassing to study for 10 years and still be bad, but it's possible. (laughs) You can love something and not be good at it. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's a imposter syndrome, which is another cognitive bias where you think that you're not good at anything and that like you just don't even belong there. Yeah. Like, how did I get this job? Why are they trusting me with this? Like, I'm not an adult. Don't look at me. I feel like that all the time. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) I'm always like, please don't listen to me. I didn't say it. So yeah, there's, there's that fucking bitch. And there is actually a lot of concern from doctors that an early second opening is going to trigger a new wave of this virus because the idea is that you let it completely die out, you have zero cases, and then it can't can't morph into something worse. Yeah, but it's so hard to know now because like every, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are asymptomatic. Yeah. You know, so how do you really know? And you can get sick more than once, which makes it so And there was a headline today. I didn't read it because I just, didn't get to it, but there was a headline today that said people who were diagnosed with COVID in March, like some of them are still sick. Yeah. So we have no idea what it's, what it's going to do if we open the economy again. And there's evidence that if we had put certain measures in place right off the bat, we could have made things so much better. Countries in Africa are like really on their shit. There is a Senegal in Africa. There are so few deaths that they're able to announce through the news every single time. The government makes an announcement and wow. honors this person who died. That's nice. Can you imagine that happening with us? <laughs> right. 
breaking news, breaking news <laughs> over and over again. Can't even get the name out. It's just breaking news the whole time. God, it's so sad. Yeah. Let's talk about pandemic PTSD. Part of what makes people panic is the emotional toll of uncertainty. Uh-huh. This outbreak is doing a number on people. And there have been uh, previous studies about outbreaks, specifically the 2003 SARS outbreak. The government reaction was the best possible reaction that there could have been. It was quickly contained. There were quarantine measures, but people still found a high prevalence of psychological distress, including symptoms of depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Yeah. I hardly even remember SARS. I barely remember it. Like it was just like a little blip in time. I don't think we even had any. No, we didn't do shit. Yeah, we didn't do shit about it. One of the studies of mental health effects of riots, protests, and revolutions found that the prevalence of depression and PTSD among populations after collective actions is comparable to levels experienced after natural disasters and terrorist attacks. Wow. There's also a kind of spillover effect for people indirectly. So even if you're not actually suffering in the moment, the uncertainty and the fear will actually Mm -hmm. affect your mental health. So yeah, we're going to see a lot of like PTSD, a lot of depression coming out of this. There, there's a health crisis right now for people potentially committing suicide just from the toll that this is having on everyone. And I know that I myself have been having like mental health issues this whole time. Yeah. It's impossible to verbalize how you feel when you're experiencing something like this. And when you're feeling something like this and also not allowed to go see anybody, that is deadly. We are a social creature. We are meant to be in groups. We feel unsafe when we're not. Like everything in our biology tries to be a part of a group. That is part of why you have people believing in conspiracy theories or like joining Mm -hmm. cults is because our DNA is manipulated in such a way to keep us safe by keeping us together. Mm -hmm. I don't know how people are going to get through this, but one of the things that happens with this kind of uncertainty is the clinging to irrational beliefs. So not everybody does it, but uh, a lot of people are kind of clinging to their conspiracy theories as an explanation because we don't like things that aren't explained. Yeah. I mean, I think it's even scarier to think about it being like some sort of government conspiracy and like, like we don't know anything and we're being controlled. And I think knowing exactly where something comes from and what people are doing and how long it's going to last and who it's going to yeah. affect. Like that, that makes you feel like you have some control in it. Yeah. You have an answer that. so you can go and attack the problem. Yeah. So we've talked about how during 1918, World War One was happening, right? One of the things that happened to get specifically the USA involved in World War One is the sinking of American merchant ships by German submarines. The Germans basically said its Navy would attack any neutral shipping sources. So the other thing that was apparently discovered was that Germany was trying to incite Mexico to war with the USA. Why? Because. Why not? To weaken us? Yeah. I mean, Mexico has every reason to war with us, but they didn't buy into it. (laughs) They were like, fuck you, white people. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We're good. Trying to get us in trouble. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the reason that we failed so miserably 
around controlling this outbreak was that we were in war and we didn't want to seem weak. One of the big things that happened was our president at the time, Woodrow Wilson, made every decision improperly and shadily. I want to say that he is a very loved president by a lot of people, but he was fucking awful. Just awful. Being responsible for some good things does not negate the bad things that you've done. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the bad things. Because he was so concerned with how we appeared to the enemy, he created two acts, two, two laws. One of them is still kind of in place today with some modifications, and that is the Espionage Act. So it made it a crime for any person to convey information intended to interfere with the U.S. Armed Forces prosecution of the war effort or to promote the success of a country's enemy. The really fucked up law that he created was uh, the Anti-Sedition Law. So the Espionage Act was reinforced by the Sedition Act of the following year, which imposed similarly harsh penalties on anyone found guilty of making false statements that interfered with the prosecution of war insulting or abusing the U.S. government, the flag, the Constitution, or the military, agitating against the production of necessary war materials, or advocating, teaching, defending any of these acts. Both of the pieces of legislation were directly aimed at socialists and pacifists, Mm -hmm. anti-war activists specifically. This essentially led to the Red Scare. because What's the Red Scare? So the Red Scare was the communist, like the Cold War, essentially. Oh, okay. All of these kind of laws were in place for quite a while. I think the anti-sedition law actually was taken off the books like pretty quickly after the pandemic. Because that seems like it violates constitutional rights. Yeah, the Supreme Court was like, we can't do this shit. Yeah. (laughs) But that was like by 1921, so many people had already suffered. A lot of this shit was essentially to allow certain things to be okay. So one of them would be the post office being allowed to essentially preview mail before it actually went to whoever it was going to, to kind of police the mail, as it were. So they were allowed to open the letters of private citizens. And if anyone was caught making seditious statements, which could be like, I don't know why Woodrow Wilson isn't like taking a a bigger effort to help our pandemic. I'm not super sure that like we belong in this war. They could be put in jail. That is totally not okay. No, it is not okay. So one of the most famous arrests at this time, there was a anti-war labor leader named Eugene V. Debs, and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for a speech he made in 1918 in Canton, Ohio, criticizing the Espionage Act because he was like, this is fucked up. Yeah. So he went to jail. (laughs) Well, and we're supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, you're supposed to, ideally. Around this time, a lot of people don't know that we had a very effective propaganda campaign going on. The Committee on Public Information was essentially created by Woodrow Wilson and his cabinet to release information to the public about war and to encourage people to become active in helping our soldiers. This was really fucking effective. And one of the things that they did was create a plan to bury journalists in paper 
which means that they had their own writers. They had their own illustrators. They would create tons of materials for journalists and they would send them to editors. So in a time where people are looking more and more to newspapers to figure out what's going on, editors were encouraged, and I put that in so many quotes, basically threatened, to put these in the paper. So not only was it illegal to talk about the war in a way that wasn't positive, in a way that didn't support our military efforts. If you talked about anything that was going on that could signal us as a weak country or as Mm -hmm. a country that couldn't win the war, you could be put in prison. What the fuck? And then we have journalists being buried in paper. So we have a whole bunch of fucking propaganda that's being posted as journalism. This was so fucking effective. Everyone knows who Sigmund Freud is. If you don't, though, he was... Well, that sounds rude. If you don't know who Sigmund Freud was, he was a pioneer in some theories about human thoughts and emotions, lots of it's bullshit, Mm -hmm. lots of like penis envy nonsense, but whatever. We're not going to talk about that. One of the recruits of this specific uh, CPI or Committee on Public Information was his nephew, Edward L. Bernays. And one of the things that he said, because he was like gung-ho about this shit, was The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in the democratic society. Propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. Yikes, dude. The Treaty of Versailles happened, which ended, effectively ended World War I in a stalemate. But people were still sick at this time and they were sending the, the troops back home. And one person related in a story that I found that her grandmother had told her at one point during this pandemic, she was a little girl, and she said she she wondered one day why she saw so many of her neighbors sleeping on the lawn. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she didn't understand until much later that they oh, were dead. Geez. All of these countries that were involved in the war did not tell their people. So nobody knew that this pandemic was like really serious or really happening yeah. until it hit them. And then they yeah. had no time to prepare. Like That is so funny. Fuck. The war effort was way more important than like actually having people to continue being civilians. What the fuck? Part of what happened specifically around conspiracy theories is there is no gatekeeping for knowledge anymore. You want to know something, you go on Google. Yeah. Whatever you find, you can choose to believe or not. You can choose to find evidence that basically corroborates the situation. But it's like the wild, wild west. Like you can just say whatever the fuck you want. There's really no moderation. I know. It's scary. What tends to happen is that because you can look up and see anything and people are incredibly gullible, they will just believe whatever the fuck they read because they read it on this one thing and like it sounded totally legit. Right. I saw it on my Facebook feed. So like I read it on Real Pharmacy. So I know it's real because it says real in the title. (laughs) And they would not lie to me. So one of the theories that's going around right now is there was actually a study by, I want to say, I can't remember what kind of scientists they were, but they were researching some of the latest coronavirus conspiracy theories. And they found that a lot of the Twitter posts that were released and about that seemed to be very driven by particular kind of propaganda that we might yeah. have seen in this last election, which is that oh. it's potentially Russian bots yeah. being programmed to say this yeah. shit and to amplify this 
specific message. And what's the message? The message is like your government's lying to you. Coronavirus is caused by 5G. You need to not trust the institutions. Don't trust the medical community. I mean, so many times you see conspiracy theories say who benefits from this, where it's like now we can see who benefits from this conspiracy theory being so popular because people are not getting help because people are not listening. People who want to see America fail are benefiting. Gosh, that's wild. I also read a story about a man who is an AIDS denialist. And like, you're actually the one who told me that this was a thing. So I was like, how can you say that that's not a thing? Right. He was an AIDS denialist who was actually a gay rights activist. And he had been treated horribly by the medical community. Absolutely horribly. Because, you know, people have not been kind to gay men. He said that he was treated like a pariah. So because he was treated so poorly, he was already like kind of primed to not trust any sort of medical institution. This was like pretty shortly in the grand scheme of things after Watergate and Vietnam. So he was like, I don't trust our government either. So they must be lying to me about AIDS and And HIV. Did he have HIV? Like he found out he had HIV and was like, this is a load of shit. I don't think he had HIV. Yeah. I think he had seen like a lot of his friends die, but he was like, this has got to be some sort of like trick. We're being tricked. HIV doesn't lead to AIDS. Like we're, we're being poisoned. It makes sense for people to not trust big institutions. I totally understand it. And I'm like 100% the person who's like, I don't trust our government. Yeah. But also like, I I operate less on that than I do on like, what can I see? Yeah. So I don't trust our government. However, (laughs) I don't think our government is poisoning us. Same. Well, and I mean, even if they are poisoning us, like we should still wear a mask. What does it hurt, man? (laughs) regardless of like how it's happening, it's like still protect yourself. So the thing with the 5G, it seems so ridiculous that people have been like, well, I'm not going to engage in this. It's insane. But a doctor actually started the claims. And this has been going on since forever. So, uh, you know, people were afraid of light bulbs. People were afraid of jazz music. Jazz music was the cause of a flu once. (laughs) What the fuck? People were afraid of <laughs> microwaves, of Wi-Fi, of televisions, of... Uh, oh, yeah, the microwave thing. Yeah. Like cell phones. Anything mm-hmm. that you create, people are going to find a way that it's linked to cancer or viruses or whatever. So yeah, Dr. Thomas Cohen has been completely taken down. He's not allowed to practice anymore. <laughs> people wow, are like, you are so fucked. He's so freaked out about 5G. Yeah, but what he said was that 5G essentially stirs up things in our body and the coronavirus is actually just toxins coming out of our body that are being upset by the radio frequencies of 5G, which is not how viruses work at all. No. (laughs) But whatevs. Yeah. Among other things that he's done, he's had limits on his practice since 2017, by the way, which should have been like the first indication that you can't (laughs) trust him. Yeah. But he offered an unlicensed drug to a breast cancer patient without informing her it wasn't approved. Oh, no. Yeah. So he's like done some really shady shit. And it it didn't work. Well, he didn't see her in person. He didn't review her medical file. He just kind of like said, yeah, just do. That's fine. Uh, he's also an anti-vaxxer because of course he is. Yeah. You know, though, if like somehow that weird medicine had like cured this lady. She would have been like, <gasps> singing yeah. his praises. Yeah. So 5G yeah. is probably not dangerous, by the by. I understand why people are afraid of radiation. 
But we have yeah. such extreme and stringent restrictions on how much radiation we can come into contact with. And that's like by everybody. Every major entity is like, you can have this much and that's yeah. it. Like a lot of people think that it's working at 60 gigahertz. It's not. It's just not. You know, there's also this thing that like, like the implementation of 5G in Wuhan, China started yeah. the coronavirus. Wuhan, China wow. did not have really 5G until very recently. I think Canada and the US had yeah. 5G way before that. Uh, Europe yeah. had 5G way before that. Like, yeah, There's no indication China. that any of this makes sense. Honestly, a simple Google search would tell you that. Yeah. When did 5G start in China? Yeah, I'm curious now. They don't think to go that far because it doesn't support their already decided upon narrative. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to them. And, you know, it has to also be said that this is not just like people being stupid and paranoid. Like they're actively burning 5G towers and putting workers at risk. Wow. I didn't know that. And then there's this one lady who has been blamed for bringing the coronavirus to the USA. So not only is the coronavirus sick, but the coronavirus is real and caused by 5G. The coronavirus was given to us by our government, but also the coronavirus was brought to us by an American soldier who competed in a, I want to say like a triathlon or something like yeah. that, some sort of running competition. I'm not athletic, um, <laughs> but she competed in Wuhan, China and then came back. Okay. So it's her fault. She and her husband are actively getting death threats. I mean, I have to also mention that like this shit is dangerous because people who are the victims of very real criminal acts are thought to be actors. Yeah. So they get death threats. So you lose your child in Sandy Hook. You I have know. to bury your six-year-old. Then you get people telling you that your child was an actor, that I you're know. an actor, and that you deserve to die. I know. It's so fucked it's up. It's not enough to lose your child. Then you have to have assholes telling you that your child wasn't real. I know. Yeah, I think the conspiracies around Sandy Hook were like the heaviest. They're the most egregious for me. Yeah, you know, just because it's like, children. It's a school. It's like so horrible. I mean, there's like serious ones. I watched a conspiracy video on YouTube about it, like back when that happened. I just can't even believe it. I can't even believe that just thinking something like that would make you think it's okay to call people who have just lost their child and tell them that they're liars and that yeah. they deserve to die. I mean, but these people really believe it. You know, it's for like gun reform or whatever. Like, well, same thing like people <laughs> said that about the Las Vegas shooting. Right. Where you're like, people died, man. Yeah, like this is propaganda. So some of the reasons that it's really hard to argue with people about their conspiracy theory beliefs is because, like I said, there's a very specific language around it and a lot of it is deceptive, but people don't realize that it's immediately deceptive. So hmm. one of the things that people like to do is doublespeak, which is a way to not convey the truth, but to convey a lie in a way that seems like the truth. It can also be kind of like a, a euphemism for something that makes it sound better or worse than it actually is. A good example of this is saying someone passed on instead of right, instead died. Of died. So some of this is like a way to soften things. And some of it's like legitimately used because, you know, we're, we're emotional, fragile creatures. And some <laughs> of it is used specifically to avoid having to have a real confrontation about conspiracy theories. So there are two that are kind of similar, jargon and inflated language. 
inflated language might be the doctor that was on pandemic. You know, what if she did work in the place that made amazing advances in our understanding of HIV, but she was a secretary. Totally. (laughs) So she's inflated her position there. Yeah, I work there. Yeah. Or it's like, instead of calling myself a professional cuddler, I called myself a cuddle therapy doctor. Right. Like it's not technically incorrect, but it's not true. You just lose the cuddle part. I'm a therapist. Yeah. Uh, Another one is jargon. So people will throw around jargon to confuse people, essentially. I feel like you would have to know that it's deceptive, but like maybe they don't. Yeah. Um, There's also what people call gobbledygook. Which is, which is like word salad where you're just saying a whole bunch of things, but because yeah. it doesn't make sense in any stretch of the imagination, you yeah. also can't argue with it. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. And this is kind of what doctors are faced with. Doctors mm-hmm. and scientists are faced with people who are making claims that are so unintelligible that they're like, what? <laughs> right. Where do we start? Like, what do I do with this? Yeah. So most of the time they just don't because it's ridiculous. But also that gives license for people to feel like they can just believe whatever, like this doctor didn't refute it. The other Mm -hmm. thing that happens is scientists have a very specific language that they learn to adopt that allows flexibility in their viewpoints. Instead of a fact, it's called a theory. Totally. Well, that's like, you know, with all this stuff, like, well, you know, the CDC told us that like we had to wipe down our mail and all this stuff. And now they're telling us it's not communicable through surfaces or, you know what I mean? So they're full of shit. Yeah. It's like, we're all learning. So they'll say it in a way that is like not completely certain. It allows for flexibility, but because it allows Mm -hmm. for flexibility, people will manipulate that for whatever they lose their shit over. Yeah. Could 5G cause cancer? We have no direct evidence of that at this point. Uh, Mm -hmm. Non-ionizing radiation doesn't seem to do damage in small doses, but as it accumulates, it can very well. Like, you know, and they'll take that to be like, it causes cancer. The flexibility of language adds to people's desire to either use something out of context or Mm -hmm. completely deny that it's accurate. Yeah. And just like run wild. And there are like lots of logical fallacies that people engage in that just make it impossible for you to talk to them about it. (laughs) I wanted to list some of them so that people know what they're working with. One of them is actually not listed on here, but it's quoting something where the person needs time to research. So the idea is to kind of shake up the belief system of the person that you're debating with on a topic So you'll throw a whole bunch of information at them and be like, what? You never read that? You don't even know. You're just a fucking sheep. Idiot. Sheep. Fucking idiot. You didn't read this like really obscure thing that I found on the observer. Right. Did you read it though? Because it's not accurate. (laughs) Like once I researched it, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. How dare you? Right. Did you read it? People like, wasn't there like something that happened where there was like a fake article being passed around on, on Facebook? This is a few years ago. It had like a real like kind of triggering headline. But if you like mm. clicked on it, the article said, oh, this is just to see if people are sharing this without reading it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. Do you remember that? I don't remember that, but it sounds like the type of thing that I would have been like, huh. Yeah. yeah right. Everybody's just like sharing it. It's like, and people are commenting like, yo, did you like read that? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's like, no, dude, you're oh my God. an idiot. Well, one of the things that I find really interesting and I'm not going to like out anyone, but I have a friend online who posted an article from the Scientific Observer 
that said 5G, we don't know if it's safe. There's not really an indication that it is safe. But then the following day, the scientific observer said, we do not stand by that statement. (laughs) That was an opinion piece. And we're leaving it up because we don't feel like it's appropriate to censor our authors. But like, no. Yeah, but it's so dangerous, like with social media. Yeah, but she she posted that and she didn't post the follow up. Yeah. So it's like you you cherry pick, you take what you want mm-hmm. and you make that the truth. I understand why. It's easier to find certainty. It's easier to think I 100% know what's going on. I know mm-hmm. how to avoid like certain things that might come my way because I'm mm-hmm. not going to get a cell phone that like has 5G capabilities. I'm going to move away from all the towers. I'm going to light them on fire. I'm going to kill everyone who's making the towers. Like I'm going to live forever. Yeah. Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Like when I'm thinking about like how I, how I can actively fight conspiracy theories and misinformation, I'm like, how do you communicate that with people who do not speak your language? Mm-hmm. You can't talk to someone who's unwilling to A, listen to you, to B, communicate in a way that both parties can understand and to mm-hmm. C, actually attempt to have like a conversation, a real conversation that is not circular or mm-hmm. purposely confusing or like, yeah. it's kind of insane. Like, what do you even fucking do at this point? Beats me. All right, guys, you've been listening to... <laughs> <laughs> Like, we don't fucking know. Yeah. What do we do? We don't have answers (laughs) for you. We're just going to talk about the problem and not give you any sort of fucking solution. There, there isn't one. Well, and also, you know, I don't think we didn't talk about this, like uh, all the people like freaking out about getting haircuts and like freaking out about going to the bars, like wanting things to be normal or whatever. It's like, it's almost like those people don't have a conspiracy or regular understanding. Right. You know, it's just kind of like, we just don't believe it. I want my hair cut. I call that, that not getting, wild. not doing it my favorite way. The kind of people who will like cut across three lanes of traffic to make the exit where you're like, I got to go this way. This is the way that I like. It's like, <laughs> right? oh my God, man, you I just know. almost killed people to get your way. I know. Do you get it? People no, have to have no, it their don't. way. Hopefully, I mean, I think that history is going to repeat itself here with like the second wave being like so awful <sighs> and scared. Me too. But also, selfishly, I just want my kid back in school. Can I be honest? I don't know. Do you think school's going to start back up? I kind of don't. You know what? I feel like people might want it to start up. So it might start up for a minute and then it might actually get shut down again. Yeah. Like that's my worry. We were thinking about sending Ripley to summer school, but I don't feel like it's worth the risk. Like it sucks. And I wanted her to have like a a feeling of completion in her school. Mm -hmm. But like, I know. Is it worth killing my mother for? No. No. Well, and you guys can do some kind of I want to kill her some other way. I want to like enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love your mom. I love my mommy too. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what to expect. I can understand the the uncertainty is the hardest part. Yeah. If you knew that it was going to last a year, it would suck enough. But you would Mm -hmm. say, I have a definite end date. Uh Uh-huh. It's over by this point because I've been told it would be. So what's the takeaway? What are we, are we taking anything away from this other than like, well, shit's bad. Yeah, I guess the takeaway is that we should all pay closer attention to history. Because it repeats itself. Clearly, I mean, that was almost like, you know, exactly a hundred years ago. That's insane. But also I feel like the important takeaway is like, you can't trust jazz music. And I've been saying this for years. (laughs) Or light bulbs. Turn off your lights and stop listening to jazz music, you Uh Philistines. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) 
jazz music. Oh my God. That cracks me up. I just like, I'm imagining like little jazz quartet and then there's just like coronavirus coming out right. of their like trumpets smoking and through their and shit. Smoking through their mask. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the saxophone fuck? through their mask. Just spraying <laughs> virus everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it. Yeah, that's it. We got nothing Stay else. healthy. Fuck it. Stay healthy. <laughs> Try, attempt to stay sane. Please get help. If you're feeling even at all like you have no hope, please, please yeah. find somebody to talk to. A lot of people are doing uh, sliding scales for online therapy or like uh, mm -hmm. over the phone therapy. So if you know people that live alone, FaceTime them. Try to like visit and wave out the window, like anything to feel like human connection. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you for joining us today. We have been I Read a Thing and you can find us wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also find us at ireadathing.com. Please be sure to, if you, I don't want to say enjoyed this podcast because it's horrifying, but if yeah, you right? listened and didn't hate it. Yeah, if you think that we're cool, cool ladies. If, you're, if you think that we've done an acceptable job here, please rate us wherever you are streaming podcasts because it's it's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you can also send us topic suggestions. We, we love not having to think of that shit. Yes, please. I don't enjoy using my brain for much, so <laughs> you can make my job easier. That's awesome. But yeah, thank you so much. See you next time. See ya. Bye.